when I make a phone call today and I announce myself as Lewis Pippen, Chief Claims Officer, people, yeah, 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 hi, nice to meet you. Um, but when you when you specify that you're a fraud investigator, it's funny how the other end of the phone usually goes very silent. <laughs> Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Defense Never Rests. I am your host, Megan Henry, and I'm joined today by Lindsay Edel. It's Lindsay's first podcast with me. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> Are you excited, nervous? That's that's what we talk call in my house. It's excited, nervous. Oh, 100% excited, <laughs> nervous. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. As a, a veteran of, of this show, I, I can tell you that it gets better in time. I used to be so nervous coming onto these. It was like going into my first deposition. I would have all these notes and I would like overthink my questions and um, just, you know, be all inside my head. And, and now it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. So it's. it's well, hopefully I'll get to that <laughs> point at some some someplace down the road. <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be great. Um and today we have on Lewis Pippin, who is the chief claims officer at Venbook Group. Um, and Lewis and I talked a few weeks ago. We had like, I don't know, I think he and I were on the phone for over an hour just chatting. So I'm excited to have him on. I think he's funny and so knowledgeable and just like a, a great person to talk to. So, you know, with that, let's bring him in. Good morning, Lewis. Welcome to this episode of Defense of Arrest. How are you today? I am well. Uh, thank you, Megan, for having me on. And um, Lindsay, this is our, our, our first. Uh, sorry, guys, there's the dog. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, excited to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity. They were very All concerned right? about your podcast intro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were like, wait a minute, who are you talking to? Let, let me interrupt. I want I yeah. something to say. <laughs> it's not the first to have an interruption by an animal or a child um, or a husband or a wife on this podcast. So <laughs> we've I've seen it all. <laughs> so nothing nothing surprises me anymore. In fact, on any of any of these video meetings, I mean how we're like God knows, 18 years into this <laughs> into this pandemic at this point, we've seen it all, I think. <laughs> That's accurate. Right. Well, and it goes to it goes to technology and some of the issues since we're now doing everything, you know, via Zoom or Teams or whatever. And you know, these kind of things happen. It's it's kind of a perfect uh, example of pain points. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that is one, like, that is our underlying theme that we are going to talk about today is technology. Um, but before we get into that, as I, I, you know, as you know, you've, you've listened to the podcast and our listeners know, I like to really, you know, get into my, to learn about my guests and have, you know, our listeners learn about who, who we have on today. Um, you know, so, you know, Lewis, you are the chief claims officer for Venbrook Group, but, you know, how did you get into the world of claims? Was this like, you know, you were, you, know, you grew up and you just knew you wanted to get into claims? Like, how, how, what was your path? Because everyone's path is so different. So, Megan, uh, I, I first entered insurance and kind of on an ancillary function uh, as, a, as a fraud investigator investigating claims. So after graduation from college, I had thought about going into law enforcement. And I found a position as a fraud investigator for the state insurance fund. And after about 18 months, um, I started wondering, you know, are any insurance claims legitimate? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it seemed like that insurance was simply a way uh, for someone to find a pot of gold. And, uh, you know, the claims that I saw were seemingly the bottom of the barrel. And it seemed like some party was lying or, you know, fabricating or exaggerating the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And I will say it was, it was very, um, one of the things that I noticed that, that is so different from today is when I would make a phone call and I would introduce myself as Lewis Pippen, fraud investigator with the state insurance fund. You know, when I make a phone call today and I announce myself as Lewis Pippen, chief claims officer, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, but when you, when you specify that you're a fraud investigator, it's funny how the other end of the phone usually goes very silent. <laughs> and then they appreciate, uh, Mr. Pippen, do I need a lawyer? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sir, no, ma'am, not yet. But yeah, not yet. <laughs> if you do, I will let you know. So anyways, I, I started my career as a fraud investigator. And within a couple of years, I had an opportunity. Uh, I, I met the head of claims at uh, the state insurance fund. And he convinced me that, hey, Lou, you would do better over in my shop. So a position came open, I applied, and, you know, proverbial rest is history. But I worked at the state insurance fund for about three years, and then I had an opportunity to go go to what they call a managing general agency slash uh, third-party administrator. This, This managing general agency also had their own claims operation. So I joined and um, started as a, you know, as an adjuster and then moved to uh, supervisor and then upper management. And I, I worked there for about 18 and a half years. And I left and joined a large loss complex adjusting firm. Uh, uh, I joined them in uh, 2016. Um, and I was charged with kind of building out and running the TPA operations uh, for about six years. And then I joined Venbrook in February. And here I am today. <laughs> so, you know, how, how were you able to like mentally kind of shift from that that thought process that you know all these claims are are fraudulent you know everyone's like trying to cheat the system then to going over to a tpa that you know really in a role in a tpa you're you're you are trying to help help the claimants you know with with their claims and kind of being an intermediary so how are you able to shift your mindset a little bit the focus when, when you're a fraud investigator, the referrals that come over, at, and especially at the fund back then, they probably processed 10,000 claims annually. So they would refer over maybe, oh goodness, two to 300 cases annually to it. So once I got out of that environment and I, and I got to work with the claims department, I realized and recognized that actually, you know, claims is fulfilling the promise of the insurance company. I mean, we are, um, we are, our, our duty is to investigate, to analyze, to collect and coordinate benefit payments. That's really, we're we're fulfilling that promise. And on those exceptional cases where a a claimant and insured is trying to manipulate the system, you know, there's there's an SIU, there's an appropriate time to refer over, but, you know, quite honestly, in almost 30 years of doing this, the vast majority of claimants and insurers are presenting legitimate claims. Now, you know, it it can be very confusing depending on the line of business, depending on the carrier, depending on uh, uh, various things, what is necessary 
for a insured or claimant to perfect a claim. And um, it's not necessarily done out of, you know, some kind of nefarious purpose where they're trying to game the system, but rather they just don't understand. And, you know, um, you know, that's, that, that, that process for me has taken, it's taken a career to learn and understand that by and large, you know, we need to, we need to assist. We, we, we have to investigate, but our investigation, we, we need to assist, coordinate, facilitate benefit payments. Lewis, do you find that when you have a claimant come in that there's a specific category of something that they're typically missing when you're trying to figure out what the claim is? You know, like you said, that they just don't know all the time what they need to bring. Is there you know, a category that you feel like, you know, usually claims are lacking this documentation when they first come in? I would say it, it really depends on the severity, too, of the loss. Uh, it depends on the kind of line of business. So, as well, on a severe, you know, property loss, um, you know, you may have a homeowner or you may have a commercial property owner that has sustained, you know, catastrophic damage to their property. So they're, they're thinking, my goodness, where am I going to live? Uh, you know, what am I going to do? Well, you know, take pictures, take recordings, uh, find this, find that. Well, right. I mean, in, in, a, in a serious situation, you know, you've got to be able to talk to the individuals and kind of walk them through, all right, as best you can, we're going to get somebody out, we'll get somebody to work with you um, and, and kind of get an in-person um, understanding, try and help them assess the scope of the loss, all the damages. Similarly, on a, you know, a general liability or a work comp type situation where you have serious injuries uh you know you've got first responders involved uh, you know you've got to secure the scene um you know there's there are a host of factors that come into play that you know you almost become a counselor when you're dealing with these insureds and or claims and and you know Generally speaking, very few people have encountered these types of situations before, and they truly don't know where to go. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, but in the meantime, as the adjuster, right, I mean, you've got to look at, I mean, you're dealing with these people, you're, you're generally dealing with a multitude of people, you're probably going to get an independent job, you may deal with other experts, in the back of your mind, you may be thinking about potential coverage issues that need to be addressed. So, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it's a very delicate balancing act. Yeah, I, I talk about this a lot um, with, you know, when an individual or a business has been, been sued to, you know, it's a very emotional process for them. And sometimes us on this side, lose sight of that because we're so used to it. You know, like, you know, we're used to getting lawsuits and defending lawsuits. We're used to managing a claim and dealing with a claim. A lot of these individuals are not used to it. And especially like with the business, they feel very personally attacked. Like if it, you know, if someone slips and falls in a parking lot and sues the business, they're like, well, you know, I can't believe this happened to me. And they take everything so personally. So, you know, they need people like uh, attorneys like us and, and you know, uh, someone in claims like like you to help guide them through the process and make it you know less scary and kind of t understand that why there's a lot of emotion in it for them but kind of help them take the emotion out of it um but kind of guide them through it too it, it's like a, a, a fine line of like you know almost ho holding their hand and letting them saying it's going to be okay yeah. <laughs> we're gonna help you right. <laughs> well and that, that's that's exactly right and you know you you have so many stakeholders too so 
you've got the insured, but then you may have a retail agent or a broker that's also trying to assist them. Um, and or if it's on program business, there may be a managing general agent. You know, as the adjuster, um, the number of contacts that you may have on any individual claim, uh, you know, could be half a dozen or more that you're trying to communicate with and coordinate with and keep up to date. And so, you know, that can be a very daunting process as well. Yeah. You know, you want to sometimes cut through uh, the broker, the agent, the NGA, the whomever, and just deal with the insured and try to, you know, try to make them whole, but you, you, you can't do that. You know, you, you've got to, you, you've got to keep everybody apprised and updated. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, and I, I've found though, you know, a lot of times it, it, it's helpful. Like when, when they, at least with the insured feels involved, but also like they feel involved in the whole process, but it's taken care of that. They don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, like I, I, I've had, I've had matters that like, whether things get transferred to us from other, you know, maybe it wasn't handled correctly by a prior prior counsel and it gets transferred to us. And the, those insureds tend to feel very like, they felt very out of the loop, you know, and like they were, they were a forgotten party and they just wanted to be a, a an included party. So they're apprised of all the details, but also that they don't have to worry about it on the day by day. Yeah. I feel like there's a fine line between being able to give people the information that they need to have but in a way that is digestible and isn't going to, you know, like you said, Lewis, make them afraid or nervous or, you know, more emotional than the process already inherently is. Right. And I, I mean, guys, you know, the introduction of counsel to a client, um, yeah, that oftentimes gets the insured rather nervous. You know, and um, sometimes it creates maybe a tad of frustration. And I know from, you know, talking with various defense counsel, you're, you're trying to help, you're trying to assist, and the insured is so, you know, put off by having to deal with counsel and the process. And I'm being deposed, or what is this mean and you know they they get a you know a nice letter a nice piece of correspondence kind of outline you know where they are today and a plan of action and potential exposure and they just even though they read it they sometimes don't understand it and uh it just you know creates uh, um, kind of an anxiety that you know I, it's it's incumbent on the adjuster to work with them and, and, and kind of walk them through the process. Yeah. You know, that, that has been a, a real eye opener to me. It's almost like a, a translator as it were, even though counsel is speaking directly to them, uh, you know, they, they sometimes need to hear just a, you know, a layman's version of what's going on and what they can expect. So, and how do you train your team to, to be that way? You know, it, or is that just a inherent talent that you look for when you're hiring someone to be on your team? Or is it something that you can teach? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Eyebrow I mean, raised really said a lot uh, for me. <laughs> we did. <laughs> well, and, and we certainly do have training. And we, we talk about guys, uh, whether, you know, we, we have databases that we access and, you know, we will talk about individual jurisdictions coupled with, you know, we have counsel come in uh, periodically and do various training sessions over specific subjects. But, you know, individuals from an adjuster standpoint, I mean, I think you've 
got to have intellectual curiosity. So, um, you know, the adjusters that we have, you, you know, to do the investigation, you know, you, who, what, why, when, and how. And that's kind of how we started, you know, from a, from a fraud investigation. You know, you want to understand the basics of the club. And, um, you know, back in the day, we would, you know, I was kind of trained to assess, you know, the character of the individual I'm dealing with. And that, that comes in very important when you're dealing with a fraud investigation. But, you know, oftentimes I would ask questions that I already knew the answer to. And so I had already researched a lot of this. And then as we have our first meeting, you know, I would, I would ask those questions, get your response. And then I might ask a similar type question, uh, just a tad different, but again, trying to go back and engage the credibility of the, the witness I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing. Um, but in the claims business, what we're really trying to do is just get the facts as we understand them. And then, um, you know, nowadays with the internet, you know, you can research so much and we have different databases that we pay for and we can access. So as we uncover the facts, we can then use that information to go in and, and uh, you know, check various databases and and really kind of gauge, you know, the scope of the, the, the damage and, and, and the loss. And so um, between our technology, between our hiring practices and between our training, you know, I, I think we do a, you know, a good job of, uh, you know, having the right staff available to, to manage these various kinds of losses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause there's some things you just, you can't train someone on, you know, there, there's, nah. you know, like there are, there's certain qualities a person may possess that as much as you want to teach them, they might not be able to acquire, you know, those specific skills. So I, I'm sure there's, a, there's a factor of the, the right person for the right job. Absolutely. And, you know, we also, uh, depending on the severity of the loss, um, you know, depends on the individual's ability and capability. So, you know, a significant catastrophic loss, we would be, we would only assign those to more senior level adjusters. And then, of course, management works with that individual to, to make sure that the files stay on track. So, um, but, you know, we, we try to assess the adjusters, again, intellectual curiosity and, and how they take not only our guidelines, but, you know, can expand on, on those uh, to, to really determine the facts of the loss and then put together a cohesive report, technical report to our clients. Yeah. And, um, you know, those, those type of adjusters obviously tend to, to move up the ranks and become senior level and or in management as mm -hmm. their career progresses. So let's, you know, we had, uh, when you and I had talked, I don't know, while ago, weeks ago, <laughs> we, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, technology and the importance of having systems in place that, you know, kind of everyone's on the same page and everyone can speak to, to each other before we like jump into that. Um, because a lot of our listeners might not know anything about Venbrook group and, and, and what you do there. So if you could run down like kind of what, what Venbrook's all about, and cause then we can talk about how the technology piece works, works into that. Cause it's a little different than I, I would say a traditional, like there, there's many branches to Venbrook, I should say. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, absolutely. So, you know, at, at Venbrook, 
we are comprised of several parts of the distribution channel, the insurance distribution channel. We have a retail operation. So we have a group of retail agents. Then we have a wholesale and a program division. So, um, you know, they're kind of experts in certain lines of business. They have access, generally speaking, to um, specialized classes of carriers. On the program side, those are definite experts that, you know, have, have relationships and actually do the underwriting for the carriers. They have reinsurance relationships. They have... They have the retail distribution. And then, uh, then we have the claim side of Venbro. So we have retail, wholesale program, and then we have the support of clients. So at Venbrook, we provide claim services for our program division, our underwriting program division. But in addition, we have many uh, uh, clients that are outside of our underwriting initiatives at Venbrook. So within the claims division of Venbrook, we have one source claims, which focuses on program business. We have Carl Warren that has over 70 years plus. Uh, 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 it's a 70 year old company that began focusing on public entities in California. Um, it's kind of expanded over the past few years into national accounts. Um, it also has a construction defect and commercial general liability practice. And then finally, we have DMA claims, which we acquired about 15 months ago, that does our field operations. And in addition, they have a private passenger auto third-party third administration offering. So three different claims entities <laughs> under the Venbrook claims operation. So, right, it, it's, it's pretty diverse. Uh, DMA gives us a nationwide presence. Carl Warren gives us a fantastic regional presence in California and, and many Western states. And they've been broadening uh, their, their footprint uh, on the East Coast as well. And then one source, uh, you know, we're involved with multiple, multiple program uh, uh, businesses from commercial property to commercial general liability to personal accident. So <clears throat> anything really PNC related uh, falls into one of those three buckets for us. And I can see though why the technology piece is a pain point for you though, because you have var varying needs of all, all these entities operate very differently, but you need them to kind of talk to each other as well. So how, how are you navigating that? Um, I should, I don't want to say challenge, um, predicament? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Because you're at the center of no, it all here. Right. right, right. Lucky, lucky me. So, lucky Lou. <laughs> um, lucky Lou. Oh yes. So we had Megan. We had a a legacy platform. Uh, obviously, I guess I'll start with you know you, you've got to have you've got to have claims. So you got to have a claims repository. The claims repository's got to hold the financial data, the demographic data, and the images. You know, those are all pretty standard fare. Um, but in addition to that, you got to have the accounting piece. So, you know, generally speaking, um, in order to build out a general ledger for your billing, in order to communicate to the bank, you oftentimes have to have some kind of accounting feature that is integrated with your claims feature, uh, your claims platform. So we just literally completed a uh, 
transition from we, we sunsetted an old program and moved it into our new updated uh, claims platform. So both Carl Warren and OneSource are now fully integrated into one system. And then within that system, we've, we've segregated the businesses by creating different branches. So, and then even within those branches, we've segmented into the various lines of business that we manage. So different payment codes, different reserve codes, different note entries, different audit structures. Those are the kind of things that, you know, we've, we've been in the process for the past six months of building out and completing and knock on wood, we uh, have completed that and we're, we're moving forward within one, um, you know, claims platform. So Did we're you very have, excited about that, Megan. Lou, what was your role, I guess, in kind of the input that you were able to give in building out this new platform that you're, you're using? Do you feel like you got to give the input like, hey, here's what we need from the claim side, and then somebody kind of figured out how to integrate that? Right. So the team that when I, when I joined Venbrook back in February, there were several, there were seven other team members that left my prior employment and came with me to, to Venbrook. And those folks have been incredibly uh, helpful from Sarah Novakovich to Amber Reyes, Mark Pitnero, Heather Williams, Kim Rudolph, Melanie Thompson, Marion Camp. Very, very helpful in assisting with the transition. Um, you know, quite honestly, uh, Sarah, Amber, Heather, Kim kind of took it upon themselves to work with both our accounting division and our IT division to help, um, you know, transition that data into FHE. And it's been a, a huge success for us. One thing that... Um... I feel like a lot of people don't talk about, but they feel, you know, having these programs and integration of these programs is so important and so helpful and so efficient when they're in place. However, getting them in place is probably one of the most painful experiences you can go through in, in a professional setting. And I say this from experience because we are currently introducing a new program <laughs> like a, a new interface at our, our firm and the setup in the lead up to actually getting it started and then the headache once you introduce it because no one knows how to do it and they can't find anything and nothing looks the same is like terrible <laughs> so, so i can only imagine you know from and your shoes too, when you have all these different entities, everyone has to use something in a kind of different way. And you, you, you want something that speaks to everyone. I mean, the, the headaches that you experience with the impl implementation of that program is just Well, and, and that, that's exactly right, Megan. And, you know, so you've got processes in place in the you know, in the legacy system that are going to be different from the new system. So you've got to address the processes, not the least of which is payments, right? I mean, anytime in a claims organization that you're doing a transition, first and foremost, your biggest pain point will be getting payments out, <laughs> right? Nobody cares about transitions. They want their money and they want it now. And sadly, you know, there's plenty of jurisdictional requirements. So right. we got to identify those. We've got to identify the processes, where they were, what they're going to be. That, that requires us to talk to IT, talk, you know, involve accounting, involve operations, involve adjusters. Mm -hmm. And everybody, every step of the way, 
has to understand and be on the same page in order for, you know, those processes to continue unabated. And of course, invariably, you're going to have a hiccup or two. And so, um, yes, but the number of meetings, discussions, uh, and then of course you find out that somebody was not aware that should have been made aware. So then you have to go back and, uh, you know, bring them up to speed. But, uh, yes, it, it is a real challenge. And, you know, our, our next initiative is actually coming up with a new GL system. So we'll have a new accounting system sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. You know, and you with technology, you know, you can't, it, it seemingly, you, you can't be satisfied with just what you have to do. Right. You have to constantly be thinking about what's out there for tomorrow. How can we improve? Is there a new application? Is there a new software? Is there some kind of integration that, you know, would assist us and maybe help move the needle on either efficiency or, you know, quite frankly, cause us to be a, a differentiator in the marketplace. So, you know, all of those thoughts, um, you know, continually go through our mind and claims, but then we have to work obviously in hand in hand with our, our folks in uh, uh, IT. And, you know, we've got a fantastic group that tries to keep us on the, the leading edge of technology. And it's an interesting dynamic I found that, you know, you want somebody who kind of has their finger like on the pulse a little bit as to like what some of the changes are. But sometimes I feel, I've found that IT doesn't necessarily have the same pain points that you as a claims professional has. And even though they would like to anticipate that kind of thing, they, they struggle to anticipate it. And so, you know, at what point do you start to sense that something's going on and tell them, or do you get all the way to the pressure point? And then you're like, okay, no, actually something needs to change right here, right now, you know? Quite frankly, Lindsay, I think when, you know, that point comes when we are unable to process a payment, when we're unable to access an image or supporting documentation or, you know, make a reserve change, you know, because of some, some process within the IT world that, well, we're, you know, Blue, we're changing uh, some of the structures or, you know, due to SOC compliance, um, you're going to have to redevelop and redeploy your process for adjusting reserves or making a payment because, um, you know, we're, we're having to redefine limits for your staff. Well, that, I mean, that throws a wrench into, into things. And so we have to sit down and redevelop our processes and, and that could be SOC compliance. It could be some kind of security issue where they're going to limit access to bank accounts or bank account information or, you know, the uh, uh, entering of a, a payee or, you know, something along those lines. That, that can be a, a real challenge for us. Did you ever consider that this would be part of your job? <laughs> Like worrying about, like, because I'm just sitting here thinking about it too. I'm like, I, I never thought that I, I, even as an attorney that I would be like thinking about, you know, client management systems and how it would best serve, you know, in metrics and, you know, I, never in my wildest dreams would I think this would be part of my like daily life. Do you feel the yeah. same? Like, I well... <laughs> It, it is it is truly insane and right i mean so it seems like the higher up you move in management the further away you also get from the front lines mm -hmm. and then because of that sometimes it's hard to understand 
what an adjuster needs and how hard it is for them to do their jobs. Yeah. But I mean, right. I, I mean, the number of applications that I, I, I mean, you know, we've got from the Microsoft Outlook and the various apps there to the claims platforms, to the accounting platforms, to the marketing platforms, to the various databases. Um, you know, I, you need a spreadsheet to keep the, the uh, passwords that you have for all of those different apps. I mean, and, and, you know, to try and maximize or utilize those applications. Uh, you know, a lot of it, you can be trained, but it's hard to really go in and become an expert in any of those, but yet you need to be familiar <clears throat> with them so that, you know, you can use them. Uh, it, it's technology is, is great, but I'm waiting for the next Bill Gates of claims to <laughs> create some kind of uniform product that encompasses all of those from a, an accounting to claims to databases and you just, you know, point and click. It's very intuitive and, uh, you know, we can, we can get to where we need to be um, in just a few point and clicks. I can only have to remember one password. Well, and I think that for that to happen, it has to be someone in the industry who understands how the industry works because someone like out, like someone outsider in the IT who could know wonderful things about how to implement software and design software aren't going to have the understanding of what someone sitting at a claims desk with, you know, all these pending claims and, you know, all information coming in from all different angles, how it's going to work best for, for them. I mean, I, I even like experience it from on our side, like we have the same thing, like even with like Adobe, Adobe needs its own login and this, and then this thing needs its own login and they don't talk to each other. And, it, and I'm eventually like, forget it. I don't even like, like all I want to do is open a PDF and, and, you know, add a comment and I can't do it. Cause I, my password is on Microsoft 365 or whatever it may be, but it, it, I, I, in order for it to work very cohesively is that you have to have someone who has an understanding of how things need to work. So you need to have someone in claims who also has a computer science background, <laughs> I guess, who has the ability to you know, develop or, or at least consult on. Like a computer engineer to right. go through and know what what the next steps are going to be, you know, in order to effectuate the processes that you know need to happen on a day to day basis. But then at the end of the day, sometimes like you're always going to come up with the next unique situation where you're like, well, I didn't think of that, you know. And then at that point, it's almost like you want to immediately implement something new to address that series of events, but there's probably always going to be a unique thing. Like, can you really, like how far can you get in terms of how comprehensive a piece of software or whatever could be? Well, and I mean, quite frankly, uh, what, what, is, what is kind of uh, unique, at least from my understanding, is I can have a client that does commercial property, company A, and a client B that does commercial property, maybe different geographies, maybe a slight differentiation in some of the, you know, the properties they underwrite. But the point is, their needs can be different. So again, and we're just talking about clients. So the data that I supply to these clients, uh, they have their own underwriting data. And, you know, one of the challenges that we have is trying to mesh claims data with the underwriting data. And, and when you compound that with the need of client A is slightly different than the need from client B, mm -hmm. whether it's the various fields, whether it's the various timing of the data, uh, it, it, it's really surprising how unique and again, this, whether it's commercial property, commercial general liability, or the various other lines of business that we administrate for, uh, they, they have different needs. So 
you can't have a one size fits all. It takes that human interaction for us to sit down and build this out. And, um, and it's ever evolving. So, you know, in a, in a former company, they did their own proprietary system. The problem is, and I'll never forget this, they were to have a rollout and they recognized, uh-oh, Microsoft, or the, uh, the operating system, Microsoft has changed and they've upgraded it. Unfortunately, our, our uh, rollout does not comply with the new operating system. So it delayed it another 12 to 18 months. So, and then you have security roles. I mean, I am constantly being peppered with, you know, what is your data security? I mean, obviously cyber and cyber security is, you know, at the, seemingly at the forefront of everybody's mind. But, you know, that creates its own issues. Who can access, how you access. Uh, you know, when I get on our claims platform, you know, the dual authentication and I go in and then it's got to send to my phone an authenticator message that I have to go in and approve and then it connects. I mean, you know, it is, uh, and, I, and I guess that's the way to the future. You know, everything will, will have all of this and, you know, some clients send encrypted messages. We can't even communicate unless it's encrypted. Uh, you know, which makes for very inefficient. It's very time consuming. Uh, you know, and sometimes I think messages are missed. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges with technology for sure. But the, I, your point though, about the, hu the, the human interaction and every client being different is a, a very important point because it, it kind of, it, it also speaks to like, like for like Lindsay and I doing our jobs, like not every client you work for wants things the same way. You know, some may want, you know, an email report. Some want to know the current spend. Some want, you know, formal letters. You know, some want reports every 30 days. Like, it's like, and, and you have, you can't automate that sort of thing. That's, you know, the human factor needs to come in there. You can, you can automate some parts of that, like reminders and, you know, having a certain, things into place so you know what's due for each client but there has there it, it can't all be automatic you know you have to work with whatever each client prefers um and what works for them because again their systems aren't our system so i want to provide you something that's going to integrate into your system as seamlessly as possible to make your life easier <laughs> and not have to go through 16 steps <laughs> and i know lou that like megan told me before we got started that one of the things i think we even talked about this briefly too is that, you know, you're talking about getting people to be passionate about their jobs. And I feel like one of the things that helps me enjoy what I'm doing is feeling like I have that kind of like niche of knowledge at times that, oh, I know, you know, what this client wants. Or for example, practicing law in Pennsylvania, every county is different, you know, with different rules and different things that they want filed. So, you know, things that make me passionate is being able to say to my clients, say, hey, you know, I know this is where your case is. It's in this county. And here's the rule there. And here's how that's going to apply to your case. And, you know, for me, that makes me passionate and feeling like the expert, quote unquote, you know, about that particular thing when I'm dealing uh, with a client, you know. Uh, yeah, that, I, it, it does. And, and it's so, I mean, um, so many times, a lot of our job is to go in and create mappings. The various clients, different data fields, different elements, what they want to see. And it truly is, you know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but you find the field in the claim system and you map it out on an Excel spreadsheet. Okay? But then there are some that you almost, it's like a decision tree. And so you have to, uh, you'll populate it from here to there if this field is also populated. So, you know, you may skip this field because this one's populated. 
And uh, that becomes, a, you know, when you start building out like if then type situations, it, it almost, you know, becomes impossible other than having to do it on a manual basis where we have support team members that can assist us, you know, in building out those reports for the clients. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, the good news is guys, I, I, the way I look at it is there's, there's great job security. You really have to understand the clients. You have to understand your systems. You have to understand your processes in order to satisfy their needs. And yeah. so it can be a real challenge, but I think that's where we, where we fit in. You know, one of the things that, right, employee engagement, you know, if you, if you're just looking for someone to adjust the loss, um, that's really not our forte, but rather we, we assist clients getting to understand their policy, the, the, the creation of it, the expectation, you know, the intent of their underwriting and, and, and you know, the expected results. And so we really work with them to try and, and, and build out reporting and processes that are in line with, you know, their expectations. So that's kind of our, our little niche. Now, do you think, you know, when you get employees involved in like this sort of decision processing as to like what systems work, work for them, what would help make their jobs easier and that like they're integrally integrally involved in like the the implementation of new systems, do you think that makes them more passionate because they feel more valued and a part of the process? Or is it like, oh, I got to do this other thing. (laughs) (laughs) One more job to do. Like, I I mean, I would think it makes people feel more valued, but I I, I don't know. I, you know, in my opinion, it, again, it, 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 to take, uh, you know, uh, a quote from a lawyer I know, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every lawyer you know. <laughs> so how, how, how difficult the task is, right? I mean, you know, I think a lot of employees want to have kind of, they, they, they want to give their, their input. They want to feel like their value, that they their understanding and their assistance can help push the process along. However, uh, you know, if it gets real technical, um, I think at some point, some employees kind of shut off and they're like, oh my goodness, I don't even know. I mean, we spent an hour on a conference call and I truly don't understand 75% of what was discussed. It was either IT technical, it was accounting technical, it was and they feel lost and then they feel like oh my goodness now i'm i'm stuck on this initiative for the next six months or 12 months however long it's going to take and i'm going to have to participate and i don't even know how to communicate so you know there's that fine line you know you want to you want employees to be engaged you want them to be passionate you want them to not just you know, kind of go through the process. It's one, two, three, four, next one, two, three, four. Is there something that you could improve here? And is there something that we could do and offer you, you know, to, to make your life better? And, and it is, at least for me, it's a constant um, challenge to stay engaged with what is going on on the front lines and, yeah you know, making sure that they have all the resources they need to be successful. Yeah. That's the intellectual curiosity aspect of it that you had kind of mentioned earlier, you know, do you ever have the opportunity from where your, where your current role is um, as the chief claims officer to, you know, get back into the weeds and I'm going to handle a claim and see what a handling a claim looks like with this new system now, or are you, are you firmly in your overseeing, you know, management role? Right now, I still I still get in, involved. I still get engaged, and uh, 
you know, I, I, uh, I can't be that far removed. And I talk to, again, my, the support team members. I talk to the adjusters. We have training sessions every week going over various items, agenda items. Um, and I, I can't ever imagine getting away from it. Um, I really do enjoy it. And it's a challenge. I think the fact that you still have the opportunity to get engaged probably helps, you know, from where, where you're at, because I think what I've seen too is that employees who may be engaged in a process at one point become disengaged when they don't feel like they're getting uh, the feed, like that anything is changing. You know, you give feedback and you say, hey, this is a pain point for me. And then you see nothing on the tail end. And I think that decreases, you know, employee satisfaction and their engagement. But I think that seeing somebody, you know, in your role also being engaged in the same day-to-day struggles that they are um, probably helps, you know, both with the development of new programs and technology that you're implementing, but also just from a morale perspective with uh, the people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. Those are great points in it, right, to, to, to continually stay grounded and understand it just, it is, it is a delicate balance, but it's, it's important. And I, I have to have the feedback in order, I, I mean, as much as anything, I kind of see my job as trying to support those people. So if I understand what they need, the challenges they're running into, then hopefully I can, I can work with others to identify solutions and get those pushed forward. Well, we are, we are just about out of time, and I know you have a hard stop, but I can't close up a podcast with any guests without asking, you know, looking back or knowing where you are now and looking back to, to where you started, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? Well, uh, Megan, I would say stay the course. <laughs> uh, you know, That's good advice. When I, when, I, uh, when I looked at it, you know, 30 years ago, 27 years ago, and I thought, oh, my goodness. I mean, this is a sham. <laughs> Insurance is a sham. It's just, you know, who can make up the best story to get the most money? <laughs> and uh, I, have, I have grown. I have recognized that. You know, there really are. There's a lot. There is definitely a purpose for insurance. There are a lot of good people that find themselves in harm's way, and they need help. So stay the course. Uh, I, I've I've met some incredible people along the way, uh, and I, you know, quite honestly. Uh, it's been a great career. Uh, I, I've been able to travel. I have been able to uh, work on claims that are just, you know, quite honestly, fascinating. Some that have made the papers, some that, you know, high profile losses. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's been a really interesting career. You know, those days where you feel like, why am I doing this? Stay the course, and eventually you'll have some clarity. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that that's great advice, too, because in all careers, too, we have we bob and we weave. We have, you know, things that don't go our way, things that go your way. And if you, you just stopped it every, every time it got hard or, you know, got overly discouraged, like... <laughs> you'd have like you wouldn't get any better you know you kind of have to go through through the things I mean I talk about this a lot on this podcast like I didn't I, when I was in law school I wanted to be working commercial real estate and do like real estate deals and here I am in litigation and looking back I'm like I would be terrible at that <laughs> why did I I don't even know why I thought I wanted to do that <laughs> but it's what I thought I wanted to do for no real reason <laughs> You know, and I, and I realize now I'm much better suited where I, where I am. Um, But, you know, if I had given up, you know, I don't know, I'd probably be unemployed. (laughs) 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 
but I, I think that's, well, that's great advice. Thank you. And I really do appreciate your time, Lindsay. Very nice to meet you. It's, uh, it's been a great discussion. Thank you again. Yes. So I, thank I think, you. yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on, spending, you know, spending, taking time away from your day and spending an hour with us and, you know, giving us your thoughts and everything. And as I promised you, I, I promised you it would not be a painful experience. So hopefully I lived up to my promise. I have a good track record going so far. I have no, no one telling me I do a crappy job, but, <laughs> but again, for all our listeners out there, if you like what you hear, please like, and subscribe to the defense never rests on Apple podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube at TDNR podcast. And thank you for tuning in.